This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The eyes to the left, a mirror next-gen special, proudly supported by Sayat. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Eyes to the Left podcast. My name is Jason Beatty. I'm head of politics and campaigns for Daily Mirror. And I'm joined today by three very different guests who we normally have on for these things. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. But they're all young people from state schools from across the country. And they are part of the Mirror's Next Generation project. This is what we also called the Youth Takeover and over the last three weeks, they have been working with Mirror reporters and editorial to produce a special edition of a paper, uh, which you can now buy. And we are really proud of it. Uh, they've worked incredibly hard. They chose the subjects. They sat in on the editorial meetings. They wrote the copy. And so we are now going to talk through the experience, how they did it, what they thought of it, uh, some of the feedback, some could be positive, some could be negative, and we're going to talk about kind of, you know, young people and media in general. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves because uh, it's a lot easier than me doing it. So first of all, welcome to... Jasper. Uh, I'm 17 years old and I come from Birmingham in a state school called Hollyhead. And my experience of the Daily Mail was um, I was involved in a... Stress and Education Project, which involved uh, interviewing Damien Hines, the Secretary of Education. Thank you. And Okay, my name's Ross. I'm 16 and I'm from the Watford UTC. My project was about social media and whether or not it's taking uh, situations to a new level. And our final guest is? Uh, I'm Courtney and I'm 17 from Bournemouth and I did an article on youth homelessness. That's brilliant. Okay, so we'll talk a bit more in depth for each of you about, you know, your what your areas of projects were, how you went about it and what you did it. But let's just generally talk about what was your first impressions of newspapers before you were invited to do this? You know, did any of you read newspapers or do you get your, where do you get your news from? How did it come about? Just read, what was, did you ever read newspapers at home? Yeah, and I used to read a lot of The Sun actually, believe it or not. All right, he's out. Can we get a new guest, please? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, was a lot, I was very into politics, to be honest with you. Um, newspapers did attract me and now because of obviously the media being such a vast content it is now online, everything can be seen from online. So in particular, I was very into politics from a young age. Yeah, and Ross, what about you? Uh, to be honest, I never read newspapers when I was younger. Uh, but as obviously time moved on, I got my phone and now I look at news through social media or apps on my phone. Yeah, And, and what about you? I, I read the paper every day. Which paper do you read? I, whatever's really available apart from the Daily Mail. Apart from the Daily Mail. Oh, I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> don't, don't like that paper. That's fine by us. We, we're, we're happy with this. And having spent kind of you know, three weeks, uh, and Ross and, and Courtney came in three weeks ago, just because this is your first time in a, in a newspaper office. Is your kind of what you, your perception of how newspapers operated and what you've seen in the last few days and weeks, um, has that changed at all? What about you? I mean, Courtney, you know, you came in three weeks ago, you sat down, we discussed what you'd like to report about. Um, 
have you come away with a good or bad impression? Are you surprised by what what has surprised you? I'm surprised about how much goes into making a newspaper. It's not just the story and then it's printed. There's like research going into it. There's all the things online. There's the picture side of it. There's it's all really good. It's all really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I loved learning about like each individual department and what they do. Yeah, I mean, that might surprise some people. You know, you, you, know, you think it's just a reporter typing out a story and then it gets printed. And it's a lot more than that. You know, you've got to arrange a photographer. Then you've got kind of, you know, we've got artists, we've got designers. It's got to go through a news desk. It's got to go through a back bench. It's got to go through a subbing material. So, you know, there's, a, there's the printing side of it. It's, it's a much more complicated process than you imagine. And we do it extraordinarily quickly. Yeah, what about, what, what was your first impressions of newspapers and have they lived up or lived down to expectations, Ross? Well, uh, when I first came here, I was expecting it to be like, you know, like Spider-Man, the films. Yes. Where it's all like manic, you have the boss slamming on his desk when they hand in the images. It's not good enough, that sort of thing. But we, it's do, actually, we do that when you've gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not from what I see, it's like really sophisticated. It's surprisingly sophisticated to what I would thought from Spider-Man. Like, you know, like everybody has their roles and everybody's working together to make this news, newspaper for the next day or the same day. It's, 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 it's crazy and it's, like, it's amazing. It's a good experience that I've had so far. Um, Mine was very similar to Ross's actually, but not Spider-Man in particular, but Wolf of Wall Street, you know, watching everyone <laughs> doing their own bits <laughs> and everyone just coming together. And for me, it was, a, it was a very good experience because you actually get to see as to how newspapers are made and the fact that how much effort goes into it. It's not just simply like Courtney was saying that we just find certain words, you just throw them into a newspaper article. It's got to be very sophisticated. It's got to be succinct. You know, it's got to attract people. And these kind of big factors take a lot of time. And for me, it's, it's a great experience to see the cohesion that, that goes around in these types of um, offices. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of decision making. I mean, we're all the time we're judging, you know, is this story, does that need a big space in the paper? Um, is that something we promote, you know, online in a big way? Or can it just be a kind of, you know, kind of four or five hundred words as opposed to a thousand words we have to decide? We have to decide, you know, what pictures go next to it. In tabloids in particular, but pictures are essential. They drive our newspaper. Everything's very visually led. We write the headlines for stories often around the picture rather than around the words. It's, so it's got a quite interesting experience in that, that respect. And let's talk a bit a little bit about kind of, you know, when you kind of, you know, give them the chance to kind of put a paper together. Kind of, again, I'm going to come to kind of Ross and Courtney first because you were here from day one, three weeks ago, we got, 15 teenagers, as I said, from state schools, from schools in Bournemouth, Birmingham, Sheffield, and Watford. And we sat them down in a room and we said, right, it's your train set now. You can tell us what you want to see in a paper. Did you, um, Courtney, let's start with you. Uh, did you kind of know from the beginning what you wanted to write about? Or did you kind of think about it on the day? How did it work? <laughs> I had some ideas, but there was so much that I wanted to put in and so much that I wanted to write about. It was hard to actually narrow it down to one specific topic, I found. And in the end, you, you ended up writing about? Uh, youth homelessness. And do you want to tell us a bit? I, I know the reason for this, but do you want to explain to those listening why you went for that subject? Because you wrote a very, I think, one of the most powerful pieces we've got, actually. Yeah, uh, I based it off kind of my experience of homelessness. Um, I wasn't actually like a rough sleeper, but I have like been through that whole experience. And I know people really close to me who have also been through it. So it was quite a personal subject for me to do. 
and I thought I would kind of have a good approach of it because I had experience of it before. So you went out, um, was it Paul you went to, New York, Hoban, Bournemouth? Uh, no, I, I stayed in Bournemouth. You, you stayed in Bournemouth, sorry, my mistake. And, and you talked to young people who'd be experienced homelessness and rough sleeping, is that right? And how was that? How did you find the interviewing, the kind of, you know, intruding into people's kind of what, it's actually kind of quite a private issue sometimes. You know, we do that a lot as journalists. We ask very kind of, you know, inquisitive, sometimes intrusive questions. How did you find that experience? I, I f it was a really good experience to hear it from like another side of homelessness, like who actually was a rough sleeper at such a young age. Um, but yeah, it was difficult asking questions because I didn't know what was too intrusive, what I could actually ask. And Ross, what, what what did you do for the, the, the project? Oh, well, um, if I go back backstory first, basically when we came in and we were in the room and everybody's thinking up everything and I'm like, what am I like going to say? And the, like, what ideas do I have? And we're sat on our tables. And I had um, like prior thoughts as to it. I want to talk about social media, but I didn't know what exactly. So I, I sit down and I think it's everybody's doing their, like, um, their, their own sort of stuff. Like we had the rough sleeping and the footballs, all that. And I was like... I want to do social media. So I go, okay, what's something I know happens with social media? And I thought, oh, everything gets blown out of proportion. Everything becomes so much bigger when it's on social media. So we go and we write down and we bring up and I go with my idea. And then we got to do all the uh, writing up and I go home and I'm writing up my uh, stuff and I send it to my uh, reporter, uh, Rian, I think it is. And, yeah. and I was like, okay, I hope that's good. And she's like, yeah, that's a good start. And I was like, thank God. And then we go and I do, and I do my interviews and it's, it was like, Really, actually, it was incredible to do my interview. Do you want to talk a bit about who you interviewed? Because this was quite interesting. Oh, yeah. I, I interviewed a man called uh, I, I, Ian. Sorry. Yeah. Ian. And uh, we sat down in a room. And at first, I was so overwhelmed because we have all these reporters. And I'm like, I'm just some 16-year-old kid. What am I doing here? And it's just like we, we sit down and the NSPC are talking and Ian's talking as well. Okay, just a little bit of background to help other people. So Ian Russell is the father of Molly, Molly Russell. Russell. This was set up by the NSPC, the, the children's charity. And Molly took her own life after looking at what his, her father says was very distressing images on Instagram. And so he, and you got to speak to him about it, which must, again, like Courtney, this is kind of, you know, this is emotional, it's very personal. That's quite a difficult thing to ask questions about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, I looked at the questions and I thought, I don't know how I'm going to ask these. But when we got down to it, he's a, an amazing person to talk to. You just sat down and it felt like a conversation. Instead of reading questions, if they were involved, sure, but you just have a conversation about it and we were expressing our thoughts on how we feel social media should have uh, implemented ways of uh, like monitoring all the harmful content uploaded. And it was just, it was amazing to talk to him. I was so happy to have an experience where I could uh, share my thoughts and hear his thoughts back as well. Because I obviously I'm a younger person. It's nice to hear an older person's thoughts as well. So, yeah. Um, and, and just speak, you, they, they, both um, Ross and uh, Courtney, did, they did what I would call normal people. Mm. <laughs> and you didn't. Who did you interview? I interviewed um, Damien Hines, who's the Secretary <laughs> of Education. And, and how was that experience? Talking it to was a cabinet minister. It was unbelievably amazing, you know, like I actually can't put it to words as to what a vast opportunity I was given because, you know, we're just some ordinary kids from a state school and we're being given this opportunity to interview the Secretary of Education, which is like a one in a lifetime opportunity. And when I had, when I had, when I found out I had the opportunity, I had to take it with both hands, you know, and for me, it was, it was, it was truly an astonishing experience because 
one is that you're actually experiencing you're seeing the mp for yourself you know it's not just through the media it's not through the tv you actually get to ask questions yourself and the other thing is when you throw a couple of statistics that you know overwhelm him that that feeling you just cannot beat yeah and and how did you find him was he was he kind of do you think he was straight talking was he slippery was he difficult to pin down how, how was the experience of interviewing a, a seasoned politician who's you know been interviewed hundreds and hundreds of times before surprisingly you know considering the stigma around Tory MPs, you know, about dodging questions. He was actually very down to earth with me, to be fair. There was a, there was probably one question, I think, that he kept sugarcoating the answer with and he tried diverting it. But everything else, I think he was very down to earth. And, and, and what was that question? It was actually about um, stress and education in particular, about exam stress, you know, that as a person I did my GCSEs last year, I firsthand witnessed, you know, the chaos that it causes, you know, people having to cram such vast content in such a short amount of time, you know, and it doesn't suit everybody. Some people are more, some people are academic, some people are more technical, you know, they rather do, they wouldn't rather learn things like history dates that they have to learn such a vast concept of. And then he diverted the answer to um, talking about my own A-levels, but it was only in the reflection that I realized as to, he didn't really answer my question, but to be fair, I got him back anyway with the other question I asked him. So it was all right. Um, and, and what was that one? It was actually about um, the word gap, which he so he was talking about how he's trying to reduce the gap between inner city schools and elite schools. And um, so I said, and then he was talking about how he's introduced more cultural programs, which help these uh, culturally deprived students. So then my question to him was that if this is the case and statistics show that children, that children from um, deprived backgrounds are learning 30 million more words than um children from elite backgrounds so ch um children from elite backgrounds are learning 30 million more words than children from deprived backgrounds that why are programs such a short start being cut and he was oh, he was just overwhelmed really by the statistic figures and then he tried he tried explaining really but you know it was those it was that explanation but of they're it. just not used to dealing with journalists who do research this is the thing mm. you know, <laughs> you're one off on us now we're, we're also now joined by i'm gonna let him introduce himself uh a new guest quickly uh, my name is uh, silly Makta. i'm 16 and i'm from uh, longley park sixth form college in sheffield and you've come over just the perfect time because we're also talking about interviews and you did the first ever one we literally arranged this within 24 hours of, of everything happening who, who who did you uh, I interviewed uh, Chris Wilder, the manager of Sheffield United Football Club. Uh, now, me and myself, I support Sheffield Wednesday, so it was a, uh, it was quite interesting to interview him. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't tell him this, so I didn't want to, um, I didn't want him to kick me out or anything. So I didn't want to let him know. But he was really, um, he was really open about it, about all the questions, because it was mainly about the promotion in the Premier League. And he was really uh, open and happy to answer my questions. I think I, in I was supposed to interview him on a Wednesday, but he. Uh, he forgot, I think, I think he just completely forgot. He went on a train to London or something. So I came back the day after and I think he understood that he had to be a bit more open with me. So his question, his answers were a lot more open, uh, open-minded and I got more quotes out of it and I got more things to talk about. Yeah, and, and just throw it open to all, all, all four, three of you now. Was there any question at the end where we walked out the interview and it was all over you thought, oh God, I wish I'd asked that. <laughs> Do you have an experience? or I, I vaguely remember it, but I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was something to do with, um, I asked him something to do with careers and how it's quite hard to get into journalism and how he thinks it is to get into being a manager. And it had something to do with that. I think it was along the lines of what he personally went through into getting that position, because obviously it's quite different to other career aspects and it's quite a high paid job and everything. So I think it was something along them lines, yeah. And and now you you've joined us. In what was, so your general experience of the, of the whole next generation project? How's uh, it was? It was different. I've never really been given any uh, opportunities like this. 
So it was uh, it was quite new and exciting when I found out about it. I knew I had to I had to give it a go. You know, it's something new, something different. I'm not going to get this again. So I knew I had to just give it a go and see what happens. And I'm I'm glad I did. Well, that was honestly one of the main reasons why we did it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a little bit of backstory here. We we did this because I uh, we did a campaign a few months ago on uh, people sleeping rough, which you would have been interested in, Courtney. But um, and I thought. The next thing I really was interested in doing was on kind of like young people's issues like kind of self-harm, social media, racism in sport, knife crime. I thought these are really interesting subjects, you know, nobody's kind of looking at them across the board as just kind of young people's issue, but it's doing them individually. And I thought, and I was about to just kind of press the button and say, go out, mirror reporters and say, go out and cover this. And I thought, why don't I get young people to write it? They're the ones who are affected by these issues. So then I had this idea of, Let's reach out and try and get some young people into the mirror and say, right, you can do the hard work. We'll just sit back and watch you do it. Um, so that was the reason why we ended up doing this. And uh, and actually, because the other side of it, which we were thinking about, it was also about we want to show what we do, but also try and encourage the next generation of talent to become journalists because it's, you know, we want our profession to thrive. And we deliberately went out and tried to find people who had no experience of journalism. That was the key and who wouldn't normally get this chance. You know, which is why we went outside London and we went to, to the schools where, you know, this would be a once in a lifetime opportunity, hopefully. And uh, just like to say, while you're here, I'm really, really impressed by who, you know, what you, you guys have done. It's kind of like, it's far exceeded my expectations. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so uh, how many now of you would think about a career in journalism? I think I think it's changed my career aspect. I didn't really know what I wanted to do before, and now that I'm, I understand that I'm quite good pen to paper. I think my career is kind of swayed towards that now. So like journalism, uh, teaching uh, English, things like that. I'm doing an English A level, so I'm wanting to pursue that further because I understand now it is something I enjoy. Like I enjoyed writing articles. I enjoyed it. I found it quite fun. So I want to kind of do something with that. I know. Um, I know. Uh, Yasmin's wanting to be a journalist now. Because of the experience, yeah, Yasmin's one of the stu- your yeah, she, students. Yeah, in she's Tom, a, Tom, Tom Park and yeah, she's yeah. participating in the project, and she, because of the project and because of how fun she's experienced it, she now wants to do it as a full job when she's older. So I think, um, I think experiences like this are really good in the sense that they do help people find their career aspirations and help them see what they want to do. And what about you, Courtney? I was in like a toss up between law and journalism, but I wasn't really sure which one I wanted to go. You'll earn a lot more money in the law. <laughs> because like I have a passion for both. I have a, a passion for both helping people, but writing as well, which is why I took English for A level. So I think it's really narrowed it down for me. So journalism is probably the okay. best option. So you'll have a smaller house. <laughs> <laughs> and um, for me, to be honest with you, I was either teaching or it was actually going into politics, like actually full time. Repping Dave, obviously, of course, don't worry. But um, I think for mine, there's definitely been an MP because like the way people perceive me is like I'm charismatic. You know, I actually like, I, I want to do a lot for the people. You know, I don't, I don't want to be the person I just six sits back on my couch and does nothing. I watch everyone else suffer. If I know I have the ability and I have the charisma to try and change people's views or try and help the people, and then it's just in my nature to think, yeah, I want to take this further. It was either politics or now journalism is another one, to be honest with you. Okay, now that, that neatly leads me on to my, my next round of questions, which was, uh, do you think we covered <laughs> the right issues? We looked, as I said, we looked at life crime, climate change, racism and football social media etc and 
do you we've got kind of two questions here and so did we cover right issues and do you think that young people's voices are being heard enough by the politicians at the moment or not i yes and no for the second question yes that you did a per i i honestly agree that you did a perfect job you know giving young people the opportunity you can come again <laughs> thank you i appreciate it. um but especially you know because with young people is that they feel marginalized in society and in particular in politics you know they feel like they're not really engaged you know as jeremy corbyn said in his 2016 election that young people are the uh, the people that vote the least you know they have no interest in politics and when you bring the young people as, and they get to experience it themselves firsthand as to what kind of impact they can play i think it was an extremely good opportunity for all of us and i think it has helped us all and in, um on the question about young people's views being heard i i honestly think they haven't they've been heard to some extent but it's nowhere near the impact that it has you know young people as left-wing as we are you know we we strive to hope for a better society you know we worry about things like the environment which aren't which are which are now being covered more but they've been a severe issue globally it's not just in the uk in particular it's globally in our, as well and our climate change is hitting everybody and for me i think politicians aren't doing enough to experience the youth because we are we are 100 we are the next generation you know and then the impact the older generation leave is the things that we have to clean up on and if we don't clean up on them then the next generation after us will suffer and it turns into an endless cycle from there courtney yeah you've done an absolutely amazing job covering like the topics that needed covering and the way you've you chose them not me <laughs> um and yeah i don't think young people at all get enough like representation our voices aren't heard enough but opportunities like this it means we can find new ways to actually get our voices out there get what we want to say said and it like it's not major thing but it's a small step that's going to lead to you know major things to actual young people being listened to because we're just we're not listened to by older generations particularly politicians they just don't think we know what we're on about but some of us are actually really passionate about such things like climate change and we want to be listened to and mm. yeah no, i think they've both hit the nail on the head really we're not we're under we're not as vocal as maybe we should be like we should opportunities like these help because we get to express our views more but i think opportunities like these should come a bit more often with other people and asking the youth generation what we want because it is true in that we are the next generation we do need to be more concerned about uh, our future ourselves but i just think we've not given the opportunities to try and fix it and do what we can to help help the future generation so do you think the voting age should be lowered to 16 or not yeah, definitely. Just one yes. <laughs> yes. Just, just be just a yes. Yeah. No, 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 I don't. Really? I don't oh, think good. We we've got an argument. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Me personally, I'm not that interested in politics. Like, I've got no interest in it at all. So, if it was voted to me and I was allowed to vote, I would have no idea what to vote. My mom and dad are Labour, so I'd vote Labour. But I don't know. I don't know what their strengths are, their weaknesses are. I don't know what they represent. So I think. For some people, yeah, it is good, but for the majority that aren't as interested in politics, I don't think it's the best to lower it. And, to and why, what's the alternative why, side of this? Why, why should it be lowered to a 16? Or? I understand the point that like many 16-year-olds don't understand politics, but I think we should be taught more about it. It's not just about the politics, it's about the things they're discussing that will affect us, that will affect future generations. We need to have a say in it, no matter what it is and schools need to be doing more to teach us 
about like politics and which way to kind of vote not like influence which way to vote but they should teach us more about the options available so more young people can actually vote can actually get the good people in power i courtney hit the nail on the head really with that you know even i um I understand from the other's perspective as well that, you know, that we might be too young as 16 year olds. But when you take into account things like Brexit, you know, that is going to realistically affect our future. You know, that's our upbringing. That's going to be completely contrasted from the older generation. And I think 16 year olds, like Courtney said, do need to be more socialized about politics, you know, that like Corbyn was saying a couple of years ago that we we don't vote enough because we just don't learn about politics. You know, some people don't find interest in it, which is fair enough. But some people just aren't taught about politics, you know. But the fact that we we have the we have the power to decide who leads our country, you know, we decide which way our country wants to go. Is it far right? Hopefully not far left, you know, those kind of things. That's in our power because it's in a democracy, but we we don't get taught enough. We don't get taught the right things to be able to make that decision. And I think for young people in particular, if we can get them involved, it'll only create an ongoing cycle where their kids will be taught as well, you know. They may be swayed, obviously, from what their parents believe, but it creates an ongoing cycle where young people are more active in politics and can play their part. Okay, quick fire, last question. What is the most important issue facing your generation? Courtney? I don't think there's a specific. I think it's just too much, but we just need to, like, have our voices heard more. I think that's, like, the main issue. Uh, it's... I think it's the fact that we're not we're not educated as much on topics that are genuinely relevant, like politics and everything. We're not as taught as much to the capability that we should be taught about it. And I think that we just need more information on what's actually going on. If if I got to choose two in particular, it would be one is mental health and the yeah. other one is climate yeah, change. Yeah. Simply because climate change is what's going to affect us in the future. And mental health is something that's so stigmatized in, in culture and in the media in particular that needs to be handled because things like suicide at the worst can happen. And we have blood on our hands more or less in that aspect. Yeah, I, I, was, I thought you would all say climate change, but I think mental health is a really interesting issue as well. Thank you very much for joining me in this special podcast. Thank you for Ross as well. So uh, my name is Jason Beattie. As I said, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at JBTMirror. Are any of you free on Twitter? No, man, I've got Instagram though. Uh, <laughs> I've got Instagram. <laughs> snap me. Yeah, <laughs> snap yeah. your admin Snapchat. Uh, you, you've got your social media address that you want to... Oh, yeah, uh, Instagram, <laughs> at Salumonster. Like, you know, uh, come on. At uh, Jasper underscore 2001. <laughs> I don't remember. You're my far answer. too sensible. <laughs> I to be don't on really media. use yeah, social media. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, and thank you for helping produce a, an amazing edition of the Daily Mirror. We're really proud of it. Thank you, Jason. Peace. Thank you. Peace. Thank you.